0: Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in.
1: Welcome back. I'm Shannon. And I'm Danica. We're going to tell you the story of Lynn Dawson. So grab your mimosas and settle in. This is a story that takes place in Australia, and we don't do many international stories but we noticed that we have a big following in Australia and we want to say we see you and thank you. Also, we wanted to tell you this story because it was brought back to the forefront because of an Australian podcast called The Teacher's Pet, which we think is really awesome and we will get into all that soon. So Chris and Lynette, who She went by Lynn, met at school at a school function when they were both 16 years old. The two dated throughout high school and got married in March of 1970. Chris Dawson, along with his identical brother, Paul, played professional rugby in 1972. Both men switched to rugby league, joining the Newton Jets. They went on to win the New South Wales Rugby League club champion in 1973 or Australia. This is the version of football. It's very popular there. The boys are very attractive and even do some modeling. Of course, you can also sustain professional sports for so long, so it came to an end in 1977. Then both brothers became teachers, PE teachers, of course, since they love sports. Lynn had also gotten a degree in nursing and was a part part-time nurse, and child caregiver. One of Chris's students is Joanne Curtis, who is referred to a lot as JC. So that is how we'll refer to her from now on. The two begin a relationship in 1980, if you want to call it that. Chris actually first notices her on the playground. How screwed up is that? He also gives her driving lessons and in one of those lessons he kisses her. He's thirty-two at the time and she is fifteen. Chris does not wait until or Chris does wait until she's sixteen to start a sexual relationship with her because the age of
0: consent in Australia is sixteen. Oh, so he has morals. Good, good. That's not actually morals. That's <laughs> just not when I go to jail for screwing his student.
1: Yes. And not only that, but Chris would also have her come babysit for them, too.
0: Okay, that's a whole different type (laughs) of level of screwed up.
1: Oh, yeah. And I forgot to mention that Chris and Lynn go on to have two daughters. In 1981, he tells Lynn that Joanne needs to move in with them because she has a horrible home life. I'm sure at the time, is thinking, oh, my gosh, what a compassionate, sensitive husband I have helping his students. But she would be wrong. Instead, he is, in fact, moving, moving her in. I don't know if you would call her his mistress or really what he is doing is moving in his child victim because this dude is a pedophile. I know the age of cons- consent in Australia is like 16, I think they said. But in my opinion, this is just a man preying on a teen who has a rough home life. So Lynn begins to sense that maybe J.C. might be diddling her husband and she wants her to leave. Lynn would, of course, be right. Chris and J.C. would have sex while Lynn's in the shower, while she was asleep, pretty much Anytime they could while Lynn was in some other way occupied. That's disgusting. His
0: kids are there and I would assume this is probably some sick kind of thrill with the possibility of getting caught to him. This guy is so sick.
1: Yes, he is. In November is when Lynn kicks her out and guess where she goes, Danica?
0: I have no idea. She goes to live with Paul. Paul, like Chris's twin brother, Paul?
1: Yes, that Paul. Paul and his wife live just two doors down from, from them. So Chris puts money down on a unit to share with J.C., but he has another brother he calls. Peter is an attorney, and Chris calls him for legal advice about the house and a divorce. Peter informs he'll, him he will be penalized if he moves out with J.C., Lynn doesn't drive and is waiting on Chris to pick her up on December 23rd. We never does, so she gets a ride home. She gets home to find Chris moved out and left a note. The note says, don't paint too dark of a picture of me to the girls. The girls at the time were two and four. He doesn't even have the backbone to tell them he's leaving. Her and the kids right before Christmas. Chris and JC are on their way to Queensland to start a new life with JC, and she isn't feeling well, and she wants to go back home. They get back on Christmas Day, and they go to Paul's house that morning, and they sleep in the gym at the school that night, December 26th. JC goes back to her mother's house, but has a run-in with her stepfather again. Chris takes her to to her sister's camp with her sisters and some friends on January 2nd. She's actually trying to break off the relationship, but Chris has her call him every single day. Also, side note, in Australia in December and January, it is summer for them there, in case you were wondering. I'm sure for JC, she also feels like she has no place to really go and no one to take care of her except Chris. And Chris actually goes back home during this time. Lynn and Paul decided they
0: need marriage counseling. This couple needs a lot more than that, but I guess that's a good place to start. Yes, they do.
1: So Lynn worked in the center where they go get counseling on January 8th, 1981. eighty one. Co-workers of Lynn said they came in hand in hand, smiling, all giddy. That night, Lynn's mother called and Chris answered the phone. He told her mother that they, or she told her mother that they were in marriage counseling and that everything was going to work out. She asked to speak to Lynn. When Lynn got on the phone, she could tell Lynn didn't sound herself. Lynn informed her that her husband had made her a drink and everything was going to be fine. The family finds this odd because they don't drink. You remember Chris is a health nut, so he nor Lynn ever drink or smoke or anything like that. Lynn and her mother make plans for the next day to meet up with the children to swim and go for a picnic with the kids where Chris was working as a lifeguard that day. Her mother, her mother shows up, but Lynn isn't there. Miss Sims asks Chris where she is. He says he woke up early and she wanted to go shopping. He dropped her off at the bus stop and he brought the girls to work with him. Lynn never shows up that day. And Miss Sims questions Chris again later about where is she? And that was when Lynn called there and she said she needs some time away. This is what Chris told her mom. Chris continues telling telling her family she rang him and just still needs time away. Or he would say someone spotted her out and about. The family actually believed him. They said they had no reason to doubt him. They were a little surprised because their daughter was to start school in January. This was Chris and Lynn's daughter was to start school in January. As I said, it was summer there, so a new school year was about to begin. They couldn't see Lynn not being there for that, but we really never know how someone will deal with issues. They also didn't realize it at the time, but just two days after Lynn supposedly left, Chris moved JC in the house. In fact, they shared the master bedroom just like a married couple.
0: Um, did the marriage counselor advise him to do this since he was just there trying to supposedly save his marriage? Sorry, I'm just frustrated. And, like, this has to be really confusing for these little girls.
1: I agree. I can't imagine what they're going through. In an episode mm-hmm. on 60 Min- Minutes, Shane Hale Dawson, the oldest daughter, says... He told them all the time that their mother ran away because she didn't love them. He's definitely not winning a father of the year award. Chris and JC carry on as if they're married or dating. The two even went to the formal together later in 1982. That would be so bizarre to see your teacher at the prom with a student that is his girlfriend. Even in the States, if she was 18, I would hope he or she would still lose their job. These teachers are supposed to be there as mentors and to help. They aren't supposed to think of this as a huge dating pool. So February 18th, 1982, Chris finally files a missing person report after Miss Sims begs him to. However, he tells police he's spoken to her and he doesn't feel like she's in danger. She just ran off. I couldn't find why her mother didn't just go report her missing. So, if you go missing, I'm not begging anyone to report you missing, Danica. You know me. I'm calling the
0: police if you aren't on time. I did not show up one time and you guys went looking for arrest records to see if I got <laughs> arrested and to see if I was in the hospital. Yes, so. and that
1: was a few hours. I'm, yeah, I'm not waiting days. Yeah. I'm,
0: I I don't expect you I'm to wait. I am on this.
1: I'm not begging anybody. <laughs> So he ends up filing for divorce after two years when Lynn never returns. And he goes on to marry J.C. They move to Queensland, I would assume, to get away from being the talk of the town. The two end up also having a daughter together. A little creepy adage. The family says that they saw J.C. wearing Lynn's wedding ring and wearing Lynn's clothes. I don't think that would suck well with me.
0: Does the family ever follow up on the missing persons
1: report? Her family says that the police just tell them she is an adult and if she wants to leave, she can. I don't think anyone ever actually searched for her, not even her family. She did have a friend, Sue Strath, that wrote a letter to the police after three years. The police came out to speak with her and ask if she had any new evidence. She said no, she thought that was their job. Of course, this never went anywhere. By 1990, Chris and J.C.'s marriage has fallen apart. J.C. came back to Sydney and she went to the police where she told them she suspect Chris had something to do with Lynn's disappearance. She also got in touch with Lynn's family through a caseworker to tell them of her susp- suspicions that Chris had something to do with Lynn's disappearance. To be honest, when I first heard this, I was angry that J.C. would hold this information in so long. But then I remembered she was just 16 at the time. She thinks he did something to his wife. He, of course, didn't think divorce was an option then. So for her to leave him, knowing what he may be keep capable, capable of, is actually pretty brave. So in 1991, the police did finally interview Chris. Chris tells them she is just trying to bash me because we are in the midst of a custody battle. Nothing further was ever done to anyone's knowledge. January 2000, the police did some excavation in a small area around the pool. They reco- This was the pool in the house that Chris and Lynn used to live at. They recover a pink cardigan with slashes in it, but they can't connect it to Lynn. I would assume they didn't have the ability to do DNA tests then either, and I'm not sure if they had any DNA to test. There were two inquiries investigated in 2001 and 2003. In both cases, the coroners referred the cases to the DPP, which is the Director of Public Prosecutions for Murder Charges. In both cases, the DPP said that, There was not enough evidence to charge anyone with murder. Okay, so if you're like me, you're thinking of the coroner. How do you have a coroner without a body? In Australia, a coroner is someone legally trained and does not need medical training. They are responsible for investigating a death and determining the manner and cause of death. When a death has been reported to them. If any autopsy is needed, they do have forensic pathologists that are medically trained for that.
0: So they're pretty much detectives, just given the name Werner to confuse us. Yes, basically. Also, the DPP is much
1: like the prosecuting attorneys. Attorneys. Honestly, there wasn't much said or done in this case until 2018. An investigative journalist. Headley Thomas starts a podcast called Teacher's Pet. This whole podcast is him interviewing people while he's trying to find out what happened to Lynn. People in Australia are eating this up. It has over 60 million downloads and people are wanting justice for Lynn now. It was such an odd case. Many people had never even heard of it. So December of 2018, Chris is actually arrested for the murder of Lynn.
0: I know the DPP said there wasn't enough evidence the other two times. Did they uncover something else during this investigation?
1: No. They go back to the house they shared, and they dig up even more of the backyard, but they never find a body. They have nothing more than they had before, except a podcast host who is getting people in arms over the injustice. Honestly, since I hear cases every day and rely on evidence, too, I totally understand How the DPP didn't want to proceed, there is no evidence. The police didn't take anything serious back then, and there weren't interviews conducted. No investigation of any kind to go back on and look at. I'm honestly shocked he was arrested. But in 2019, the judge does have teacher's pet pulled for a little bit because they are arguing they can't have a fair trial because everyone is so tainted by this podcast. Chris actually opted to withgo a jury trial and have the judge decide his fate for this very reason. In August of 2022, the judge actually found him guilty of Lynn's murder. Let's listen to the judge give him his sentence. Mr. Dawson, would you please stand? Christopher Michael Dawson for the murder of Lynette Dawson on about 8 January 1982. I sentence you to imprisonment for 24 years, commencing on 30 August 2022, and expiring on 29 August 2046, with a non-parole period of 18 years expiring on 29 August 2040. Uh, the first day upon which you will become eligible for a lease on parole is therefore 30 August 2040. You may sit down. Finally, in compliance with section 25, capital C of the Crimes High Risk Offenders Act, I note that the provisions of that act have potential application to you. Mr. Walsh may be expected to provide you with further information about that. Are there any other matters before I turn? Mr. Dawson, um, would you please go with the officers now? Chris is currently 74 years old and was sentenced to 24 years in prison. The trial lasted 10 weeks, which surprises me because I don't know what either side could have presented in court. I do know they were trying to call witnesses that supposedly had sightings of Lynn over the years, but I definitely would like to know more. Of course, he maintained his innocence the whole time and said he thinks Lynn ran off with a religious group, I guess because she didn't need clothes, money or passport or anything, just the clothes on her back. Lynn's daughter pleaded with her father to tell them where her body was so they could lay her to rest. His attorney says he will be appealing the decision. No surprise there. Side note, if you want to check out Teacher's Pet, it is up and running again. So what do you think? Did Chris kill his wife? Even if you think he did, do you think you could find him guilty with the lack of evidence? Let us know.
0: We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers. If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com. And lastly, we are on Facebook at murder and mimosas podcast where you can interact with us there We love any type of feedback you can give us, so please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.